0: Hello, and welcome to the Medical Humanities Podcast, the official podcast of BMJ's Medical Humanities Journal. We invite you to listen in and join the conversation from global perspectives on health, medicine, and accessibility, to interviews with social justice activists, filmmakers, artists, and academics from around the world. Stay up to date with public discussions that matter to medicine and humanities, because life happens at the intersections. Hello, and welcome back to the Medical Humanities Podcast. This is Brandi Scalache, Editor-in-Chief. And today I have with me Jessica Howell, who's a professor at Texas A&M, and also Nareen, who is an Associate Director of the Grad Program in Global Media and Cultures at Georgia Tech. They have some very exciting things to tell us about global Health Humanities, which is a special issue going to be appearing with us in June. And I also know that Jessica is head of a program that is uh, also from which this kind of developed. So welcome both of you and maybe you can tell us all a bit more about yourselves.
1: My name is Jessica Howell. I'm professor of English at Texas A&M University and I'm also associate director for the Glasscock Center for Humanities Research where I run an initiative in global health humanities. This is essentially where the interest for this special issue grew. I've been a health humanities scholar and teacher as well as teaching in English literature Um, for a good bit of time. And um, I was noticing that there was an emerging research interest in uh, global health and the humanities. Um, And I was so lucky to be joined by uh, Nareen Hassan, Nareen Hassan as my co-editor. Nareen, did you want to introduce yourself?
2: Yes, thank you. Um, I am Nareen Hassan. I'm an associate professor um, in the School of Literature, Media and Communication at Georgia Tech. And as Brandy mentioned, I'm also a director of a new graduate program um, that's a collaborative program between my department, which is Literature, Media, Communication, and the School of Modern Languages at Georgia Tech. Um, And it's a collaborative program called um, Global Media and Cultures. And um, my work is largely looking at the 19th century and intersections of gender, health, and colonialism in the 19th century. And I was um, lucky as a graduate student to actually be a graduate student at the University of Rochester, which had a medical humanities program, one of the early programs at their medical school. So as a graduate student, I taught a number of courses in that medical humanities program um, and then continued to do some uh, research in that area.
0: Yeah, and that's exciting. Actually, uh, I know a bit about the Rochester Program And that's kind of exciting, too. I think one of the things that um, interests me about, you know, what, what our project here at Medical Humanities, we define it quite broadly. And I know that in some areas, right, people think of Medical Humanities as... Uh, coming, as as really being about literature and medicine, which it sometimes is, or narrative medicine, which it sometimes is, but it's much broader than that. And so here at Medical Humanities, we have people from anthropology, history, literature, the medical sciences, social science, social justice, all coming together. Um, And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why I found your proposal for Global Health Humanities special issues so intriguing, uh, is that it does have a broad base. So I wondered if you could say a bit more. I know that it uh, kind of came out of some of the work you were both already doing. How did you how did you bring it together, and and what can people expect from this special issue when it hits this June?
1: We essentially uh, met through our common networks in 19th century studies. I also study literature of empire, um, health, and the environment. And so Noreen and I knew each other through those um, networks, and um, it was through Noreen's previous work and her interests in health humanities that we decided to to form this collaboration. Um, If we can define the health humanities as understanding cultural practices and products related to health and illness, this special issue is really poised to embrace a global turn to understanding these kinds of practices in a global context. So we do think of it really broadly in terms of different forms of human expression, which of course very much include literature and literary forms, but also film and visual media, and the history of specific terms and concepts related to global health as well as global health humanities as a field itself and how it articulates itself in relationship to health humanities and in relationship to the history of the medical humanities as a field. So there's also a kind of self-reflective quality to some of the articles that are appearing in this special issue to think about how is global health humanities um, differing from health humanities? How is it innovating? Um, and then also what are its relevant kind of scholarly um, backgrounds
2: that, and traditions that inform the practice? I'll just add that um, when Jessica contacted me, um, it was a sort of follow up to um, a conference that we were both at, um, the interdisciplinary 19th century studies conference. So it was back in 2019. And at that conference, I had organized a roundtable on teaching race and empire in the 19th century um, that Jessica attended. And you know she kind of followed up after the conference. And so I just wanted to add that both of us are sort of coming from um, backgrounds that are historical and also literary and cultural. Um, But we also see in our issue, and I think it's really important to um, represent scholars from a variety of fields. So, I mean, Jessica has mentioned, um, you know, the various fields that are represented, but also scholars who are doing, you know, different kinds of work. So there's pieces that are sort of looking, that are like teams, you know, working um, on, on particular topics. There are single authored pieces, um, you know, there, there's scholars coming from different methodological um, places and backgrounds, but also scholars coming from a variety um, of different stages of their careers. So right. that something we were really trying to do with the issue is um, I think our, our goal was to take the broad approach in as many ways as possible and to sort of think about expanding the field and expanding the ways in which we think about the terms globally. And health and humanities.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate that because I, you know, here at, at MH, one of the things that we've been working hard on, we just launched this year, officially launched, we've been practicing uh, working on it already, is Path to Publication, which is an attempt to broaden out who can submit effectively a special issue because it is a lot of hard work, as you can both attest to. <laughs> um, getting published, if you are from, say, the global south and you don't have the, access to opening or even reading some of the essays that we have if they're behind paywalls, or you're not being asked to be part of those conversations, yet you're spoken about, but not necessarily heard from. And so there's a lot about publishing that is unfortunately exclusionary, and we're trying to make it more inclusive. And one of the ways of doing that is uh, creating special issues that allow people time and gestation and a community to surround that to help all of the articles be stronger, and so I think you guys experienced that as well. Um, I want to say it was almost what eight, almost two years um, that we worked mm-hmm. on this prior to publication.
1: Yeah, the, the inception of it was even before then, um, and and I should say before we turn to thinking about you know how it has tracked um, a very uh, a time of global upheaval and a time when global health has become of even more urgent. Um, interest and conversation. um, I just wanted to mention that though we have this diversity um, in in terms of both the professional development of our different authors, as well as the areas that they discuss. So we have articles that are about the Dominican Republic, Africa, Mm -hmm. America, India, Iran, Canada, and the Mediterranean. And we have scholars that are in um universities mm-hmm. not based in, uh, in America, for example, in the UK. And um, so there's that kind of representation yeah. of diversity, but there's also, I would say, a kind of cross-cutting, um, aspect which we explore in our introduction that many of the articles that they come from different disciplinary and methodological backgrounds, many of them engage, uh, cross-cutting topics like health inequity, mm-hmm. Um, access to care in a global context, gendered health disparities, um, the legacies of colonialism in terms of kind of neo-colonial health um, infrastructure, and then also human health and displacement and the refugee experience, as well as the emerging, um, uh, you know, current and very urgent topic of COVID-19 and the health humanities. And so there are these cross-cutting, I would say, um, inquiries and interests, um, that are really what we would call um, outlining the key considerations of global health humanities and as an emerging field. Um, but then before we, I wanted to turn over to Narin to talk about how, you know, how it's been a, a long standing project, but also one that's been evolving in, in real
2: time. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um I tried to go back and kind of look at the timeline because <laughs> it was it, it all seems so far away now. Um but uh it, it was back in um I guess March twenty nineteen um that Jessica and I were both at the same conference and she contacted me soon after and it was around um May twenty nineteen that we, you know, started to think about um the call and started to, you know, get some of that out there. So was right around um, the beginning of 2020 that we actually um, received, um, you know, the initial drafts, and then of course a lot of things changed. Um, you know, as we hit spring 2020, um, which was a year in the project, and um, Jessica and I kept sort of feeling like the longer we were in the pandemic moment, we had to keep sort of rethinking. And resituating the project itself, and you know the kinds of questions we were trying to pose. So we went through a very long process of sort of digging through different layers of okay, where are we going with this? Um, how can we look at you know the global and the local in this moment? Um, how can we think about you know the different clusters and sections that we have? How are they changing? So when we initially thought about the project, um, you know, issues of migration and um, the refugee question, there was sort of a a core section um, that was focused on that. And then we realized, you know, we really needed to address the pandemic. And so we, you know, we went through a lot of different processes of, you know, how do we add sections to this? Um, How do we reframe, you know, what we actually have? And Along the way, I mean, another thing that sort of went on over the course of the last three years is we were also addressing our own, um, you know, experience of isolation, um, you know, all of the sort of disruptions Mm -hmm. of 2020. Um, We were dealing with a lot of that from our contributors. Um, We really had to change the way that we were working and thinking. Um, We were dealing with our own sort of, you know, stress around um, you know aging parents, health issues. So there were there were a lot of ways that this sort of personal you know kind of just jumped in, and that the moment really impacted um, where the project was going. And um, it really has felt like a whole sort of process of layering. As the word that keeps coming, you know, building and then you know reshaping um, that has happened in, in the last three years.
0: It's really interesting. I, I've been working with and talking to Stuart Murray, who's also on the board of Medical Human, uh, editorial board of Medical Humanities, and they're working on a project right now with The Welcome, and we are trying to help track it in real time. Uh Through podcasts, say like because projects evolve, and so it's interesting we've we've just done that <laughs> really um mm-hmm. with you and and this project has evolved unfortunately, we didn't document it the way we're trying to do with uh Stuart Murray 's project, but I think that there's a reality um th- there's a there's an illusion that these projects sort of arrive fully formed, then are sent to publishers, and then just suddenly arrive in publication and print when in fact there's so much shaping that goes on. Uh, from my end, as a as an editor, but also from the guest editors before the papers get to me, and then again through the revision processes, through uh, through the helpful comments of people who are readers and, and engage with the work, and that continues to go on because the blog is open for people to respond to the special issue after it publishes. So I think you know, hopefully, we are we are seeing the end of the imaginary um, sort of ivory tower, fully formed ideas springing from the forehead of Zeus. And it's much more of a collaborative and communal process.
1: Yeah. And I think that, in fact, we in the introduction, as well as in, as you say, the process of revision with all of the contributors, we tried to make this self-reflective evolving process of scholarship, actually the topic. Um, So rather than trying to um, gloss it over, but instead we realized that health humanities scholarship can really embrace that self-reflexivity of saying, um, how do I think about autonomy differently? How do I think of vulnerability differently? How do I think of global interconnection differently? Um, so, in fact, in one of the series of revisions, when we gave feedback to the authors, if their essays were not about COVID-19 explicitly, but they mentioned the pandemic as a emerging context to their work, we asked them to actually kind of deepen that inquiry and say, what is my positionality in relationship? Um, to the pandemic, Um, what do I bring to my consideration of this emerging crisis? And so, um, and just as you say in the introduction, we actually reflect back, Noreen and I do, on the the different changes that the issue has undergone. So I think that one of the really promising um, potentialities within health humanities research is to, and and COVID-19 has brought this into really stark relief, is to make the process, of um, self-reflection and embodiment, um, actually the topic of scholarship, uh, not just the background.
0: Absolutely. I think it's, it's a process of showing your work, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something, if I, if I may say, and I think your issue is emblematic of this, or at least representative of this, that, that illusion, that sense of um, fully formed project is also one that carries with it a lot of white Western and often masculine baggage. Um, there's uh, There used to be a kind of academic expectation that you didn't show these things. They were considered weaknesses instead of diversity. The diversity mm-hmm. was considered a weakness instead of a strength, that um, there was a, a point at which you would never, you know, bring your, oh, well, you're ill, you don't talk about that, or you have sick parents, you don't talk about that. And I am 100% against, like, us laying that to rest, because we are human beings, we are a community. Mm-hmm. Um, pretending that we don't have these struggles is uh, is deeply injurious, especially to, I think, early career scholars who um, feel like they have to somehow fall in line or or ape this kind of behavior. And so it's really powerful. And I again, I think you're right. I think COVID is has driven this home even further for us to realize, yeah, you know, we are wearing shorts under the table on that Zoom call. <laughs> you yeah. know, we, it, it, like, it's just, it's just a thing. We're living beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And coping with loss, and also acknowledging, uh, you know, people's relative positions of privilege when that exists, right? That that our yeah. stressors are different than the stressors that some of our colleagues uh, across the globe are dealing with. So all of that opportunity and and responsibility really, I think, is brought to light by the topic of global health and the humanities.
2: Yeah, I'll just add that I I feel like that is what um, has made, you know, the project sort of deeper. And in terms of just sort of thinking about process, this was an amazing collaborative experience for me mm-hmm. because um, Jessica and I don't know each other that well, like just from, you know, seeing each other at conferences and had never collaborated before. Um, but, you know, once we were in 2020 and sort of going through the bulk of this project in the last two years, we did so much through Zoom. I mean, we, we, we became so good at that, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, and our meetings became, you know, a really great space um Of connection, but also, like, we did a lot of writing while on Zoom, you know, so the process itself um, was unfolding, you know, during the pandemic, and we were able to use, you know, Google Docs and Zoom and all of these other forums to, you know, continue with the project, but those spaces also became spaces for us to be more open with each other um, about, you know, who we are as human beings, how we Mm -hmm. are caregivers, how Mm -hmm. we are giving in many different ways and how, you know, the stresses of the moment are really bringing that to the core. So, um, you know, as much as this is clearly, you know, it's an academic project, we're working with a group of, you know, scholars, there's there's a lot that's sort of around all that that um, we were trying to also address, right? To really think about like who we are in this moment Working in this way um, and trying to, you know, bring some of these questions to the world, you know, in a in a in a different way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I was wondering um, since we have you know just the space to entice people to come and read the uh, the 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 essays involved. What are some things that you hope people will be excited to see? What are some topics that you want to encourage? You know this is kind of our sales pitch as well. <laughs> uh, this is a great special issue. What should people come for, and what should they stay for?
1: Well, we can maybe take turns. Doreen and I can talk about <laughs> there's there's um several different clusters, and so we can talk about the the highlights from each and I'll just start off by saying that um the first cluster we have of essays is titled Nation Biopolitics and Narrative and thinks about the biopolitical links between global health and colonial history, specifically by focusing on reading literary text and film. So we have an opening essay by Sandhya Shetty thinking about um, Catherine Mayo's Mother India in terms of global health and security. Um, And she does a really careful close reading of that novel in particular, thinking about Indian bodies and spaces. Um, and then we have, uh, continuing with a focus on India and representation, we have Minya Akshi Shihari's essay, which thinks about, uh, narrative arcs of organ transplantation within literature, um, and film. So we start out by thinking about how, as Noreen mentioned before, you can bridge kind of local and global considerations by thinking about a particular representations of a particular place, which is India in terms of both written and visual
2: texts. Our second um, section is on women's health in global context. Um, And in that section, um, we have uh, an essay by Anna Kemble, which looks at um, American Indian birth experiences and speculative fiction. And then we have uh, a piece by Anna Tupetz and a whole team of researchers um, who uh, are working on um, looking at female scarf injuries in Bangladesh. Um, And so those two um, pieces are taking really different approaches. One is more of um, sort of gender studies, literary studies, scholarship. Um, The other one is a little bit more anthropological and um, is sort of a a more practice-based sort of project. We wanted to make sure to have a
1: section that was dedicated to um, where some of the key terms and concepts related to global health and the humanities Um, have come from, what are their legacies? Um, And so we have an article by Marie Webbel on the history of the concept of neglected tropical diseases. Um, So she thinks about how within a historical framework, this term of neglected tropical diseases has arisen through history and how it relates to public health institution and discourse. Um, Brenda Wilson um, further then thinks about how in Kenya, um, again, in a more applied setting, in this case, how language elitism affects maternal health outcomes in Kenya. And then finally, Raquel Baldwinson thinks about what our responsibilities are as health humanities scholars when we engage with the field of global health um, and what kinds of critical tendencies um, she sees arising in the global health communities and how those need to kind of remain nuanced in understanding the real uh, lived challenges that people are facing around the globe in terms of their health crises. Um, And so this section really focuses on zooming out, if you will, um, to think about about where we are and where we've come
2: from in terms of key terms and concepts around global health. Nice. Yeah, I'll um, I'll just end with the the last section um, is called COVID-19 and the future of health humanities. And those, questions of um, sort of nuance zooming out sort of continue um, in this section. This is a section that we added um, later on in 2020. Um, And there are two pieces in this section, and and both of them are really getting us to think about, you know, COVID-19 and how the questions of this moment sort of um, ask us to think ahead or to rethink the ways that we've um, thought about terms and thought about um, health humanities. So the the first piece is by Rosemary Jolly, and um, that essay is is looking at contact zones and political and environmental histories um, in relation to global health. And the last essay is by Jessica, Jessica Howell, um, Mm -hmm. and that piece is... um, looking at literary and historical contexts as a way to think about contemporary health futures. So um, we we end the collection with that piece um, as a sort of looking back, but also um, looking forward and sort of thinking about the broader um, theoretical questions that are at stake and the different ways that we can think about um, the terms that we've been addressing throughout the
0: collection. That's wonderful.
2: One of the methodologies I think that this final
1: section offers is thinking about how something like oral history or um, interviewing can become part of health humanities scholarship where, um, well, it already is, but how it can grow um, in real time to think about people's lived experiences during a time like the pandemic. So what, what could we do in terms of creating interviews and texts out of people's lived experiences and then incorporating those into health humanities scholarship. Um, And I wanted to circle back and whether we end up editing this in, but I just didn't wanna miss out this this wonderful essay by Matthew Spencer and Lava Assad, which is the final essay in the first um, cluster, which weaves issues of migration and representation by thinking about a doctor's experience in literature, Mm. um, working Mm -hmm. with refugees and narrating that experience through
0: memoir. I think they're all really wonderful pieces, and I think um, you know we've been very lucky to get them to get them in and get them through. It's particularly that you sort of had to add on. I mean, you know, you guys met in the halcyon days before COVID nineteen, um, and uh, and yet you managed through the course of this process to get those topics in as well. And I think um, that is something that we do try to build in at MH by having these longer gestation periods for special issues is the opportunity to address real-time issues that are happening, you know, unexpectedly in the middle of everything else. And I think that that's that's a strength. That's a real strength of the issue. I am so glad both of you could join me today. And I really want everyone to to check out the upcoming special issue. Also, our blog, which is uh, very robust and is treated almost like its own online publication in some ways, is carrying lay descriptions provided by the authors for the pieces uh, that appear. And so it also helps broaden the conversation out to non-specialist audiences. So, And that's not behind a paywall. So please um, do join us for this wonderful special issue on global health humanities and also check out the work of our guests today. Is there anything you want to leave us with?
1: Oh, I think maybe perhaps that this issue is also an invitation for further collaboration um, between humanities scholars and those uh, who are health practitioners in a global context um, to think about how um, individuals' stories and experiences um, can be incorporated into our understanding and practice of global health.
0: Wonderful. Nareen.
2: Thank you. No, that's it. I'll leave. I'll leave Jessica with the last word.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you again. Thank you both. And thank to all of our listeners for being part of the conversation. Thank you for listening to the Medical Humanities Podcast. Since 2020, transcripts are available for all shows on our blog. Stay in touch by reading the journal and blog online. Just follow the links in the episode description. We are also on Twitter as medhums underscore bnj.